anyway, um, we were talking about how Keith and I met last week and how things got to going. And um, But I want to go a little step further than that tonight, but I want to touch base on a couple of those things. We talked about that we got married really, really young, two days out of high school, and that we were very, very wealthy, so everything just fell into place, right? Right. No, we were brokeville. We didn't have two nickels to rub together, and God called us to go to Ramah. And when we went to Ramah, we lived on uh, Prosperity Lane. You know, we had all of our bills paid, and tuition was always on time, and we never had to believe God for anything. I mean, because we were hearing about faith, and as soon as we heard about it, we had it covered. Nada. Because we were at a faith school. So, I mean, when you're at a faith school, I mean, you should just automatically just be dumped faith. And you should automatically just be prosperous and everything should just smooth out. Right? Nada. I can remember times when we didn't have a nickel. Nothing. We didn't have money for gas money. I remember that our greeting welcome to Tulsa, this was it. We had just about spent all of his first month's tuition to go to school, to get registered and go in. And we finally found this place to live. And it was this beautiful place. We called it Shoot 'em Up Alley. Because one night we came out to go to church and they had the SWAT team on this side, the helicopters on this side, and they had the whole street blockaded because the girl across the street was shooting at the guy across the street, and it was a, a gang war, and it was that's where we lived. And the first night that we spent there, we got the welcoming committee. They welcomed us properly by siphoning all the gas out of our vehicles. <laughs> and we didn't have the money to refill them. So uh, that was... a. Uh, you know, how we started out. And uh, the house that we lived in uh, one night, the apartment that we lived in one night, this guy thought he was a Magnum PI, I guess, and he came in with his pistol and said, you can't go in. And we thought, well, this is our apartment. We must go in, you know. So it was a real neat place that we lived. And, uh, and we've, we've come up from there. Um, we believed God for... Uh, th- this was not a one-bedroom apartment. It was like what they used to call a shotgun thing. You know, it had a sliding door that came between the walls that made it into a bedroom. And it was furnished. Let me tell you how it was furnished. The sofa had cans underneath it that held it up. That's how it was furnished. That was how what we went to uh, school with. And there was a little half wall between the kitchen and it was just this one solid open thing that they had taken two apartments kind of and put them together. And it was an interesting place. But anyway, we believed God, and we got beyond that and got to another apartment, and we got through Ramah. And uh, we believed God and um, got into this apartment and, and got into a better place, and then we believed God and got into actually a house. And uh, it had a garage. But then time went on, and we stayed on the path that we talked about. Let's put that scripture back up there. I don't want to go too far without giving you a scripture because y'all will think I'm teaching false doctrine. You know, and I don't want to do that. Y'all will go tell Keith on me, so don't want to do that. So we'll do this. We'll put up Ephesians 2.10 and read our scripture again for tonight. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God has ordained that we should walk in them. Let's read verse 11. Oh, let, let's read this in the Amplified. I forgot to tell you that. I don't know who's up there running it tonight. Josh or Cherie? Who's up there? I don't know. Does anybody know? Anyway, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus and born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, you thought I forgot the other thing I was going to tell you, that I'm doing something tonight I've never done before, right? I didn't forget. I started a series last week. I have never done that before in my life. I didn't get finished. And I told Keith, and he laughed at me. He said, a series, Phil? I said, yeah, it's going to at least be a two-take. <laughs> so uh, we'll see where we get. Taking paths that God prearranged for you to live a good life. We want to live a good life. And that's what God prepared for us, that we could live a good life. And I wasn't seeing a good life then. And I didn't really understand how come we weren't seeing a, really a good life then. We were broke. But part of it was because we didn't know enough. But things were going better and better and better all the time. But what we found out was we weren't doing all the things that the Word told us to do. So we began to get in the Word on the different subjects that we were supposed to do. And every day, as we begin to do what the Word told us to do, we begin to take our paths. And Keith went to first year Rhema. And this is when we begin to notice a difference in our lives. You remember last week I told you, have you ever felt like you were supposed to do something with every fiber of your being, but you didn't want to do it? How many of you ever felt that way? Yeah, I won't ask how many didn't do it. Well, at that time, Rama Bible Training Center, which was headed up by Kenneth Hagen, had, you could graduate after just going one year. So Keith had a choice at that time. And he was seriously thinking that he would just go one year and then go back to his home church and be able to be a greater help there. So I remember the day specifically. I thought, Lord, is that what we're supposed to do? And it was a day that I had got off at noon. And I thought, Lord, what are we supposed to do? And he was trying to go to school all day, and then he was trying to go to... Remember what he did in the afternoon? He went to prayer school, and then he went to healing school. How many of you were here last week? Yeah, and how many of you weren't here last week? Oh, you missed out on some fun. We got up here in the front. We did our victory thing. And oh, it was great. Maybe we'll do it again just for you. And um, so anyway, um, I, I began to seek the Lord. And that afternoon, I know it was the Lord. I know I can hear from God. And I know it was the Lord. And he told me to read the book of Acts. And then he would talk to me. So I sat down real quietly and I began to read the book of Acts. And I can remember it to this day, and that's been, dear me, 1980. How many years ago has that been? 31 years ago. 
31 years ago, and I can still remember what the Lord told me. I won't tell you all of it, but uh, basically, uh, if I we left, don't leave too quickly because in this next year, much more of my glory will I unfold. Much more of my story will be told. Much more of the things in my past will unfold. And I, it was a whole thing that he told me, and I wrote it down for Keith, and I haven't read it since that day. And when he came in that night, it was like step by step what we were supposed to do. And he said, you know what, Phil? I got the same thing at prayer school today. So we knew we were supposed to say, stay second year at Ramah. Well, we, what we did not know was that second year at Ramah is when Brother Hagen was going to start the healing school. He was doing the counseling thing, and they were doing some healing stuff, but he started actually the healing center at that time. And Keith began to teach in the healing center. And that has been a huge part of Keith's life is healing. And he taught at healing school for decades. I don't remember how long. If I quote you a number, I will be wrong, so I'm not going to quote it, uh, but I do know it was a very, very long time. And uh, he stayed well. I don't ever remember him being sick except for one time he ate some bad pizza and he threw up in the pulpit at healing school yeah and you may have heard the story before but anyway he's never sick he is like never sick well why would that be but not just the word but because he has such a foundation of healing if you're a builder, you know the foundation is the most important thing that you can have. You try to build too tall of a building and you don't have a foundation, what's going to happen to it? Boom. It's just going to fall over. But he had a foundation of healing. I mean, and he is never sick. The devil don't even try to tempt him with sickness. Because he knows. Slap. Get. Because he knows it. Well, so... But our finances were a wreck. We were so broke, we barely made it from month to month. We were in the hole. We couldn't go to meetings that we wanted to go to. We couldn't give like we wanted to go to. So Keith said one day he got a revelation. Start studying on finances like he had been studying on healing all those years. And do you know what? We hadn't been broke a day since. Because we started putting the word to practice in our lives in that area. But as we stayed on that path that we were on, the Lord directed us to go second year to Ramah, and he graduated from Ramah. Well, he continued to work there. Well, through that time and through the next several years, our paths were on roads that took us through the good plan that God had for our lives. And it took us through paths of meeting people and spending time with people that got us to the places that we are today. Because had we not have stayed for the second year of Ramah, we would not have been on the path to get fed all the things that we needed from Brother Hagen. See, we were fortunate to spend private, personal time, decade after decade, 
with, to me, the greatest faith man and the man that knows how to be led by the Spirit greater than any man I know of, even still to this day. And it was because we took a step and went in the direction that God directed us to go in. It wasn't because we could see down the road that if we did that, it was going to get us this. We didn't know that. All we knew was stay at Ramah for second year. And that's where so many people miss it. Because they can't see what is going to be 10 years down the road and the Holy Ghost and God don't get out their daytime or planner and say, okay, 10 years down the road, if you'll stay here, then you will know this and this and this and this and this will unfold and this will happen and you'll be here and it'll intersect with here. And he doesn't do that. It says it takes faith to please God. We are God's children, so we must do things God's way in order to receive things from Him to have a good life from Him. He's not trying to hold it back from us, but what God has to do is, if we are His children, He wants everything for us to be great and wonderful. But what if He gives you, say, This person right here has never accepted Jesus as their Lord, and this person right here has accepted Jesus as their Lord, and he gives this person right here the exact same thing as he gives this person right here, and they've never accepted him as Lord. How does he choose what he does? Well, in order to have a good life, You have got to accept Jesus as Lord or it makes him a respecter of persons. And that's the only way that you can get the good things out of life. It's not that he's trying to keep them from you. It's just in order to receive them, you've got to be on this path. Because otherwise, you don't even know how to go. Because if you're in this path and you haven't received him, you won't be able to hear what he has for you to do. Because you can't, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You'll either listen to one or you'll listen to the other one. And if you're listening to the devil for your life, you're not listening to God for your life. So once you get saved, you're supposed to begin to listen to God's plan for your life. And as you begin to listen to God's plan for your life, He's going to take you down roads and He's going to take you down paths that's going to put you in the good places for your life. So that's what began to happen in our life. It's not that He's trying to keep the sinner from those places. It's just they can't hear Him. The other day I heard somebody tell this story, and it's really cute, so I'm going to repeat it. And, and he won't mind if I tell it. Um, a friend of ours um, was preaching at the church the other night. And he's got a little, how old would he be? 18 months old? Maybe. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, a little 18-month-old baby. And he said when he was really little, he'd go... And they couldn't understand anything he would say. And y'all have all had little babies, right? You know? And you can't understand. But you pretend like you're understanding what they're saying. You know? You just... Because... Yeah. Yeah. And, and they come in and they're talking to you and they're just... And they're saying stuff and you don't understand one word that they're saying. 
but you're listening to them, you know, because they're talking to you and and, uh, because they're your children and you just smile at them. But then the other day, he said, all of a sudden, he said, Daddy. He said, and my ears perked up and my eyes opened up wide. He said, I understood him. He was speaking my language. He said, before that, he wasn't speaking my language. He was speaking some other language I didn't understand. But to him, he was speaking. But he wasn't speaking anything. But when he said, Daddy, I could understand him. Well, that's the way it is with God. When we begin, when we get saved and we begin to walk in his ways and speak faith things over our life and take paths that go with him, we begin to speak his language. When we begin to say what he's saying for ourselves, we begin to speak his language. When we begin to do what he's wanting us to do for ourselves, we begin to see the things the way he's seeing them. We're speaking and doing his language. So things begin to turn around for us. When we're sinners, we're not even speaking his language. That's why there's no communication there. That's why it's it's hard to communicate with him. But when you get saved, it begins to get easier and easier for him to tell you what he wants from you and show you the things you need to do and the path you need to take. So anyway, he go, Keith goes to Rama and he graduates to Rama. And it wasn't many years after that we're driving along one day and he's teaching us about finances and oh, we see this house over there. And you know, we've been living in this apartment and then we went to this other little house and I thought, you know what? We've been believing for a house for a very long time. And this house is totally empty. And I tell Keith, I say, you know what? Let's get out and look at this house. Now, we've been in, in Tulsa for like, at that time, 20 years probably. And we had lived in some bad places. But God had been bringing us up year after year and hooking us with word and hooking us with the right people and, and using us to minister and using us to do things. This didn't happen overnight. But we we drove in this driveway of this house. And I looked at it and I thought, this is it. This is the house that I've been believing for. This is the house that I want. I don't have to look at another house. I went inside. Well, as it turns out, it was a foreclosure. And they said, nobody has it listed. Nobody has anything with it. So we said, we just got it in our heart. Make the bank an offer today, immediately. Don't delay. Make them an offer. We made them like this ridiculous offer on it. And we had to go down to Brother Copeland's to do some TV taping that day. We went down there to Brother Copeland's to do the TV taping. They called us, and they accepted the offer within $10,000. Well, you don't know what a miracle that was because the house was worth three times what we paid for it. And then, when we got ready to sell it to go to Branson, I got double that for it. Because we were in the right place at the right time, let me tell you the story behind it. Taking the paths that God intended for us to take, being where he planned for us to be, that house 
began to be built, and to me it was my dream house. It began to be built the day we made the decision to go to Ramah. The very same day. Now, do you call that a coincidence? I don't. And you know what? It was hardly lived in. No one had hardly lived in it at all. And Brother Hagen would tell everybody about it. He would tell everybody what we paid for it. He'd tell them about the doorknobs. He'd tell them about the windows. He'd tell them about... He'd tell everybody about that house. Because Daddy was pleased that his children had got something. Well, then one day we're there, and the Lord deals with us, go to Branson. Move your ministry to Branson. So we thought, okay, we'll move our ministry to Branson. So we go for a drive to Branson and spend the weekend there. We stay in a hotel. We go back. We do this a few times. I told you that. We start this church. I told you about how the lady told us to find the man and we got the church, right? Well, there's a house there. I told you the connections with the pastors and with the different people that we've come in contact with. We have made friends and family that are closer to us than any of our natural family members that we've ever had. So we needed another house. We get a house, a temporary house. It's kind of like what we had to live in in Tulsa to start with. This house was a little three-bedroom house on a golf course. Little three-bedroom house. Repeat these words after me. Little three-bedroom house. I mean, it was tiny. I mean, you could almost sit in the kitchen and touch each one of the bedrooms, the wall in each one of them. And not only was it on the golf course, it was on the golf course where they loved to slice the golf ball through the sliding glass window. And this happened on a regular basis. I think at least once every two weeks they had to replace the sliding glass door on that house. You could never take a nap on a Sunday afternoon because the glass door would get broke. And every time you got ready to take a shower, you had to go to the garage to turn the hot water on. Now, I left my dream house in Tulsa to live in this. And I took every bit of the money that we got from that dream house to buy this church with. Oh, it got quiet. But that was not the church's money. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything you will ever need in life will come to you if you put God first. Everything you ever dream of, everything you ever desire, everything you ever want, everything you ever hoped for, everything you ever, ever wanted. There's no person in the world that ever sat down and watched a clock for 40 hours and said, I worked 40 hours this week that will ever be rich. Now it really got quiet. Because you cannot serve God and watch a clock and clock in 40 hours. You will be lazy and poor all the days of your life. 
doesn't work that way because God is not the one that set the 40-hour work week. Some man did. And I work for God. I don't work for man. I got three amens and the rest of you bowed your heads. I don't work for, for man. I never have. But I have a very rich, fulfilling life. I have friends that love me. I have family that loves me. I have a staff that puts up with me. But that are faithful to me. There's not one of them that you couldn't call day or night that wouldn't be there to do anything that you asked them to do. They, Sky and Janet, how long have y'all been with us? You don't know, 30 plus years. You know, most all of our staff has been with us from the very beginning and has never left us. The very first person we ever hired is still with us. The second person we ever hired is still with us. The third person we ever hired is still with us. The fourth person we ever hired is still with us. The fifth person we ever hired is still with us. The sixth person we ever hired is still with us. I could go on down the line. God has been good to Phyllis. But it's not because Phyllis did everything right. They can testify to that. I don't. It's because I serve a wonderful God. And he sets me on the right paths. And if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added to you. And you have to be available to him to put you on the paths that he wants you to go on to intersect the connections that he wants you to have. He set that house in my path in Tulsa. All I had to do was be there to get it. He gave me the money to get it. I, it's funny, Janet, to sitting right here because I, it was the day we were closing on it. I was on the cell phone. We didn't have the money to close. We didn't have the money to buy the house. And we're there at closing and we're about to pull up to close on it. And my cell phone rings and somebody calls. And it was a, a church we had been to on a Wednesday night which had maybe uh, this many people in it, and we got enough money to close on that house and buy that house. And they called on my cell phone, and I called Janet, and I told her, and she said, thank God for cell phones. God must have invented them. (laughs) Only Janet. But it's true. We didn't have the money. But God planned it. I was taking care of his things while he was taking care of my things. And I, I completely believe that. And so we got that house. And he furnished it and he took care of it. Well, I left every bit of that. And I didn't whimper and I didn't cry. I remember the day. It, I mean, it was the most exciting day I could remember almost in forever. Driving with everything we had loaded in a couple of U-Hauls and driving from Tulsa to Branson. Every one of our staff moved with us and lived in one apartment or two apartments. Is that correct? Yes. On mattresses on the floor. They didn't care. We all moved to Branson. 
And we left it. And it was the most exciting day. I called Keith on the phone in the car behind me. I said, something inside of me is so excited and I don't even know what it is. And it was the excitement of the things that went ahead that you couldn't even see with your own eyes. But it was excitement inside your heart. You were excited about the plan of God that was ahead of you, the good life that was ahead of you. So I get to Branson, and I left my house, and I'm living in a house that the golf balls keep hitting, and you got to go in the garage and turn on the hot water every time you want to shower, and you got to remember to turn it off because if you forget, the next time you go to take a hot shower, you're not going to have any hot water. Okay? We lived there like a year and a half, two years. We left our nice house and lived there. Well, we had looked at this one house, and I walked in it. When I walked in it, I walked into the foyer area, and I walked out. I said, I'm not looking at this house. It's too expensive, and it's not my taste at all. It's not my style at all. And I told the realtor lady, thanks, but no thanks. And I walked out. And I walked out into the, under the covered driveway. And I got this check inside me, and it said, uh, you better go back in and look. You better look real good. And so I thought, why? It's too expensive. It's not something we can do right now. We're building a church. We're not building a house. We're building a church. So I said, okay, okay, I'll go back. And that voice just said, you better look again and look close. So I went back in. I told the realtor, well, let's, since we're here, let's just look. I went back in, I walked in, I walked out. Now this house has got, is it eight bedrooms? Eight plus bedrooms? Close, something like that. Lots of bathrooms, a swimming pool. I just didn't want it really, to be honest with you. You know, it wasn't something, you know. But then I would, I hadn't talked to anybody about this house for months. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call. And it's this guy. And I didn't even know who he was. He said, did you like my house? And I said, um, what is your house? And he said, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, yeah, what's not to like? I mean, it was a nice house. You know, it overlooked the lake. It was a beautiful house. And uh, I said, what's not to like? And he says, um, well, would you buy it if I sold it to you for this? And he came off the price $200,000. And I said, oh, no, no. That's still way over what I want to give for a house right now. We're trying to build a church. He said, okay, but you liked it, right? And I said, yeah, what's not to like? And I hung up the phone. Well, I didn't think another thought about it. Another two months go by. I get another phone call. The very same guy. He calls me back. He comes off another $250,000. And he says, would you buy it for that? I said, nope, it's still too high. I mean, when it's all said and done, he comes off that house almost a million dollars. He says, would you buy it for this? I said, well, if you make me, I'll buy it. If you'll do this and this and this, and if you give me this amount of time to do this, and if I don't have to do this, he said, okay. 
didn't have the money to buy it. Even after everything I told him. Because everything that we were doing was going into the church. Because I don't hoard up money for me. I hoard up money for the church. So the very same thing happens. We get to closing. The day before, we get a phone call. And here's the offering. Here's the money. Somebody just gives it to you. It's not because of something we did. It's, and it's not church money. It's our personal money that somebody gave to us to get this house. Well, now this house now is valued three times, at least three times what I paid for it. Now, why is that? Is it something that I did? Absolutely not. It was me intersecting the plan that God had for my life. It was me intersecting and being where he told me to be and doing what he told me to do. Everything that we have done, that church in Branson has been the greatest joy of our life. And I expect this one will be too. But why is that? Because we took the steps and it intersected everything that God had planned for us. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything you do for God, the devil will do his very best to take the joy out of it if you'll let him. But he can only do what you allow him to do. The devil can only do things. He's like somebody standing behind a big glass window trying to get in. But you can absolutely stand on the other side and make funny faces at him. Because he can't do anything if you won't let him. You let him by the way you react to what he's doing. You let him by your reactions to what happened that day. You let him by when something happens, if you go, not again. Oh, what are we going to do? I can't take it anymore. Oh, no. We don't have it. We can't do it. Woe, not, woe is me. Then you open that big window and let him come in. But if everything seems like it went bad that day and you just say, na 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 you can't get me. And you just keep your joy anyway. And if it looks like your house payment ain't coming, and if it looks like the kids are screaming and wailing and everything else, and you don't let it get to you, then he can't do anything to you. It's what we talked about last week. He's going to do his best to find your buttons, and as soon as he finds the right button that makes you explode, he's going to keep pushing that very same button. He don't need to look for all the other buttons on you. If he knows that's the button that makes him explode, why does he keep going here when he knows this is the button? Push, 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 push. He ain't going to hunt anymore. He's going to find the very button and put his finger on it every single time. Whatever it is, he's going to do it. And he knows what yours are. If it's your mother-in-law, she's going to visit you every day. 
And she's going to tell you how bad your cooking is and how dirty your house is and how rotten your kids are. It's going to be every day you're going to hear from her. If it's your ex-wife, you're going to hear about it. It's going to be everything you're doing wrong. If it's the thing that upsets you, if it's the thing that gets you down, if it's the thing that steals your joy, it's going to be your ex-wife. If it's your boss, then your boss is going to be the thing that pushes your buttons. It's going to be the thing, I know, it's, it is with Perry. It's his boss. <laughs> Steals his joy every day. <laughs> it's what pushes your buttons. And if it is, you've lost. You get off the path of what God has planned for you. You get out of the direction he has planned for you and you start pulling back and thinking, I need to do another direction now. I don't like that direction anymore. It's not going the way I had planned. It's not going the way I wanted to go. It's not going the way I think it should go. I don't like it. And you totally change course of God's plan because of some nananan that the devil did to you. And the devil ain't smarter than God just because he can throw one little thing in your path to trip you up, to get you off the path. It can keep you from all your intersections and all your connections that he has for you. You want to hear about what happened with the house here? How many of you were here on Vision Sunday that we showed you the house that we got here? It's a testimony beyond the other two testimonies. You want to hear about it? You don't even want to hear, so we might as well... I wasn't believing for a house here. I thought, I am not. I don't even want a house. It's something else to deal with. I don't want to believe for a house here. I don't want a house here. I just want to be able to pop in, do what we need to do. I, houses, you, uh, how many ladies know it's enough to clean one house? You don't need two to clean. You know, you, you, the light bills, the, the, everything. I wasn't believing for a house. We were renting some houses. Everybody kept up everything. Everybody did everything for us. We didn't have to do anything. And one day, I got an email. And this lady says, we had looked around. Keith, Keith we drive around, and we do look around. And this lady says, um, y'all looked, which we had like three years ago. I like to look at houses. I like to see the architecture. I like to see the different things. Not that you're going to, how many women just like to look at houses? Yeah. You're not going to buy every house you go look at, are you? No, sir. You're just, you know, we had, when our board was here, uh, he took some of the guys out and he said, yeah, I'm going to buy each one of these guys a house. The realtor got all excited, you know, he was carrying on with a bless her heart, you know. But anyway, so we were just looking. And uh, so she sent an email and uh, she said, you looked at my house. And we said, yes. And, uh, she said, um, we want to get rid of it. And they sent word that they were going to sell us this house for what they had in this house. We could take up the payments on this house, which was a quarter almost of the price that the house sold for. I mean a quarter of the price the house was worth. And not only that, when we did it, it cost us a quarter as much as what we were paying in rent to get the house. Because we could house Rob 
and Dan and Dave and me and Keith and everybody else that was coming to town to stay to take care of this building and we didn't pay, have to pay for two houses, we didn't have to pay for all this other stuff and it's a quarter of a mile here, we make Dave work, walk to work every day. <laughs> we got to cut out on rental vehicles, we got to cut out on other stuff. It saved us money. It saved the ministry money. It saves anybody that's given to the ministry money. And not only that, my husband was more than thrilled that I wasn't staying in a house by myself when he had these great big guys staying in a barn right out back (laughs) to protect me and I wasn't staying in some strange place by myself. He was very happy with that. So what if we wouldn't have come here? And not only that, let me tell you the whole story behind it. When she found out who we were, when we first looked at the house, she wasn't saved. She would stand up here and give you the testimony if she was here tonight herself. She was not saved. From the time we first looked at the house till the time we bought the house, this lady got saved. And one day, she was going to a Bible study. Now, you tell me this isn't a divine connection. She was going to a Bible study. She wrote Keith and Phyllis Moore on a little slip of paper and put it in her hand because she wanted them to pray. It was her little prayer group that she was going to. And her pastor's wife was there, and she happened to have one of our offering envelopes in her hand that she had forgot to mail the day before. So she decided they would pray over our ministry that day before she mailed the offering envelope. Now, this is all just a coincidence, right? So she's got the offering envelope laying in her hand. The lady with the house has got our name in her hand. And the pastor's wife says, what are you doing with their name in your hand? She said, well, it's some people that I want to get my house. I don't know them, but God told me they were supposed to have my house. And she says, well, that was my teacher at Rhema. That's who this offering is going to. So they began to pray for us to get this house. And the day that we were supposed to get the house, this is what she did. Now this is the miracle of miracles. She left every piece of furniture in that house. She went and bought all new sheets for the bed. She bought me, she stocked the house with groceries and toilet paper and paper towels and everything you could think of. Her and her friends came and cleaned the house spotless for me. She bought groceries, she bought everything you could think of and put me a welcome basket on the counter and let me move into it a month early because we had to get out of the other place. I did not have to buy one piece of silverware. I did not have to buy one glass. I did not have to buy nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now that's meeting and intersecting the plans and paths that God has for you. And God blessed them and got them a supernatural deal of their very own on another house in another city that they wanted. She called me recently and said, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got exactly the house that I was believing for. We closed on it. We moved in it. It's my dream house. It's exactly what we were believing for. And she told me the whole story behind it, and it's just supernatural in itself. Now, that is taking the path that God has planned for your life. 
And I think that every person that we met in Branson and every person that is so near and dear to my heart that I consider, uh, you know, a family to me. And I consider everything that I learned at Rama that I'm able to teach today. And I consider every thing that's come across my path over the years are divine connections. I consider them things that I would never have gotten had I got off the path because I got offended at somebody. And don't kid yourself, we had plenty of opportunities to get offended. Anytime you work with people, you can get upset or you can get offended or you can get hurt. Anytime you have to do the word uh, submit, you can get a divorce. Anytime you have to work for an employer, you can say, I have my own way of doing it. It's never easy to do it somebody else's way. But that doesn't have anything to do with, is that where I'm supposed to be? And then, if you find out where you're supposed to be, then you take those steps to live the good life. And if you follow that plan for your life, then God will be able to bless your life. I don't think about houses. I didn't think about any one of those houses. I don't lay awake at night thinking about cars or houses or clothes. I do not. I do not have time for it. I think about getting up tomorrow and what we have to do. Do I? Am I in this state or am I in that state? Where do I have to be? Do I have to do this? What church am I dealing with? Who am I dealing with? What? Where do we have to? What we, okay, Keith, where am I going to be? And I don't even know for my own self. I'm asking Keith. Okay, who's who's doing this service? Who's doing this? Or who's who's? Okay, because I've told you all along. He's the person that gets the vision. We are just the doers. And that's what we do. He says, you're going to be in Sarasota this weekend. I said, oh, aye, aye, sir. That's where we'll be then. And I didn't even know Rob was going to get to come with me until the very last second. I said, Rob, you're getting on the plane. He says, okay, here we go. We got our orders for this weekend. You say, well, that's not fair. You should be able to get at least a 24-hour warning. Well, who said? Where in the Bible did, and we're going to get to that some more next week, but where in the Bible did Jesus give any one of his disciples a month's warning to do anything? He didn't. So if you want the good plan for your life, you got to do the good God way for your life. And he will provide everything you need, you want, you can dream of. Your family, let me just interject this in the middle of all the good things that's going on. My family, not a one of them served God. Not one of them served God. We were raised Catholic, but they just, they didn't serve God. And we just kept on serving God. We never said anything about God to them. We'd be in the town that they were in, and Keith was speaking, and we would be five minutes from where they were, and they wouldn't come. None of them. We kept on serving God, getting on the path, serving God, staying on the path, serving God. And one by one, here they come. One by one, here they come. One by one, here they come. 
serving God, getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, turning their lives around, loving God, sitting in the front row of my church, my mom, my dad, my sisters, Keith's mom, Keith's dad, his brother. But that's because we continued to serve God and we didn't try to fix everything in everybody's life. You can spend your whole life trying to fix everybody's life and be so busy trying to fix everybody's life that you don't have time to serve God and everybody's lives still be a big mess. Because you can't do it. You're not big enough. You're not smart enough. You're not sharp enough. You ain't even good looking enough. But there is someone that can. And if you put him first, and you do that verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then everything will be added to you. He'll take care of your family. He'll take care of your kids. He'll take care of your mama. He'll take care of your daddy. He'll take care of your dog. My dog lived to be 22 years old. She did, and never took her to the vet. The only time I took her to the vet was when she ate some rat poison. It's the only time. And she fell off a cliff. How tall was that cliff? 20 foot? Fell off a cliff. When we first moved to Branson, she didn't know there was such a thing as a cliff. Walked right off the patio. I was the dumb one. I didn't know she'd go through the little... But God spared her. We bundled her up, took her to the bed. Nothing wrong with her. He said, she'll be fine. Next morning, she was up running around. God will prosper everything that you put your hand to if you just put him first. And he'll put you in connections. You'll come across people's paths. You'll come across your wife's path, your new wife or your husband's path. You'll come across the right job. If you put him first and serve him, you will never lack for anything in your life. Put the verse back up there for us if you would. That's part two. I haven't even got to part three. What time is it? See, it's time to quit. So we're going to have to have a part three. (laughs) For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. Recreated. What does recreated mean? Made over. Recreated like what, though? Like Christ. Born anew. That we can do the good works God, which God predestined and planned for you ahead of time. Think about... Some of you probably know the story. You ever heard about a ram in a thicket? What's the story? Was there ever a ram in a thicket for anybody? Was it maybe put there ahead of time? Before he was going to put the son on the altar? 
Was that ram there all the time, ahead of time, before he was going to put his son on the altar? Absolutely. And that's what God does for you. He goes ahead and he sees ahead what's going before you and prepares your ram ahead of you and just traps him in that thicket. Keeps him there for you. He's got your house there. He's got your new car there. He's got your answers there. He's got everything you need there. All you got to do is get up in the morning and do what he tells you to do. That's just how simple it is. It's no more complicated than that. You get up in the morning and he says, okay, go do this. You do it. You'll pass right through the intersection of where your blessing is. It is absolute. The devil doesn't want you to know that. So he tries to keep you off that path. He tries to get you offended today to where you're going to turn and go the other direction because he knows if you go straight, you're going to intersect with that blessing. So he gets you offended. Quit this job. Get mad at your mother-in-law. Don't go over there. Get mad at them. Move out of this town. Get mad at this. Do this. It doesn't work that way. All you have to do is ignore him. Long enough, because you know you're just like me, anybody else. If you'll think about it for about five seconds, it'll pass. If you won't think about it for about five seconds, it'll pass. You can get past it. And then you can go on and take the next step and stay on the right road. And that's all you got to do. Stand up with me. The devil is not smarter than God, but he is smart enough to know if he can get you off the path that God has planned for you, you will not live a good life because he's already figured out that you're going to serve God. So what he wants to do is not let you have anything good so you won't think anybody's good, that God is good, so you won't tell nobody else about him. Because he sees you're going to serve him. But if you don't get anything good and you don't get anything wonderful, you don't want anybody to know how wonderful God is. But if your whole life is good and everything is going extraordinary for you and everything is going great for you and you're so excited all the time and you're so happy all the time, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. Yeah, well, it leaketh too. Because a lot of people try to keep it in and they can't. Out of the abundance of your heart, it's going to come out. And if you're really, really happy, it's going to come out. And if God keeps doing good things for you and 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 doing good things for you day after day after day after day, it's going to start coming out and it's going to start coming out and it's going to start coming out and it's going to start coming out. And you ain't going to be able to be sad very long. You ain't going to be able to keep it contained very long. You're going to have to get up and shout and dance around the room because that's the God we serve. And the devil's been winning some battles because all he's got to do is push that button and you go the other direction. Don't let it happen. When he pushes that button, just close your ears or close your eyes and say, mm, I can make it through this. Get through it before the devil even knows you're there. Go so fast. But you will win if you continue to do that. <laughs>